Foghorn. Yes, folks, it is time for another Cavish Ships podcast where we try and cut through the fog and the murk and shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavis. And I'm Chris Cervello. Coming up with a unique location on Pennsylvania Avenue, smack dab in the heart of the nation's capital, the U.S. Navy Memorial is a very public reminder of the legacy and importance of those who serve and have served in the U.S. Navy. Under its current director, retired Rear Admiral Frank Thorpe, the memorial has expanded its outreach to become more active and more inviting to the public. We'll talk with Admiral Thorpe about how the public views the Navy's history, heritage, roles, and missions. But first, a quick look at naval news around the world. U.S., Israeli, Bahraini, and UAE forces began a maritime security exercise in the Red Sea on November 10th with Marines from the 11th MU aboard amphibious ship Portland, LSD-27. These are part of a series of naval exercises taking place in the region, which have also included forces from Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Regional media have been portraying the exercises as, quote, moves to counter Iranian aggression. Three U.S. Navy ships continued operations in the Black Sea. Sixth Fleet flagship Mount Whitney, destroyer Porter, and oiler John Linthal entered the sea over several days in late October and early November and have been accompanied by P-8A Poseidon maritime patrol planes. Mount Whitney and Porter called at Batumi, Georgia on November 8th and arrived at Costanta, Romania on November 12th. The moves come as Russian troops or their surrogates are again active in the contested Donbass region between Ukraine and Russia. The future USNS Harvey Milk was christened and launched November 7th at General Dynamics NASCO shipyard in San Diego. The ship is the second of the new John Lewis class of fleet oilers. Milk, a member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, who was a Navy veteran, was shot and killed in 1978. The oiler is the first U.S. Navy ship named for an openly gay person. Two ships for the U.S. Navy are about to be christened on November 13th. Huntington Ingalls Industries is holding a christening ceremony for the Virginia-class submarine New Jersey at their Newport News, Virginia shipyard, and in Mobile, Alabama, Austell, USA, is christening the fast expeditionary transport Apalachicola. Both ships will continue fitting out before being later delivered to the U.S. Navy and commissioned into service. Also on November 13th, the U.S. Coast Guard's heavy icebreaker Polar Star was to leave her home port of Seattle to begin a deployment to Antarctica in support of Operation Deep Freeze. Many people are not aware that Polar Star and her now decommissioned sister ship Polar Sea were built specifically to support the annual resupply mission to the South Polar region. This is the Polar Star's first deep freeze mission since 2019-2020 season as last year's mission was canceled due to the pandemic. And that's a quick roundup of Naval News this week. Okay, well, we've just had Veterans Day, uh, the annual time when Americans stop and remember all of those who have served in uniform and all those who have served those who have served in uniform over the years. And of course, one of the key memorials to the Navy is located here in Washington, D.C., and we're lucky enough today to have the director of the U.S. United States Navy Memorial, Rear Admiral Retired Frank Thorpe. Um, Frank is uh, someone we've known for many years. Uh, he retired in 2009 as the Chief of Naval Information, head of the Navy's uh, public affairs operation. And since 2016, he's been the president 
and chief executive of the United States Navy Memorial, located in beautiful downtown Washington, D.C. Welcome to the to the podcast, Frank. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, you uh, reference how long we've known each other. I'd rather not think about how long that's been. Um, but, you know, as we as we just finished Veterans Day and I, I look forward to talking about that and you talk about uh, recognizing those who serve, those who serve, you know, I just want to compliment you for what you've done over the last couple of decades. We'll leave it at that, but compliment you for what you've done to inform the American people about their military, because uh, I'm, a, I'm a true believer in that. And, uh, and you have been a steadfast stalwart in that business. So I want to thank you very much. Oh, well, you know, it's just sort of what we do, but okay. Thanks, Frank. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, one of the, you know, all the services have some form of memorial. The United States Navy Memorial is incredibly unique because it is right in the, it's on Pennsylvania Avenue between, almost halfway between the White House and the, and the U.S. Capitol. It is an historic location. It's a, it actually was the, was the business center, the commerce center of the city when it was originally built. And thousands, thousands and thousands of tourists, even in COVID times, pass by this memorial every single year. And a lot of it's underground, but you have a lovely plaza. You've got a beautiful circle. You've got some statuary. Uh, you've got the lone sailor that stands out. And it's a great, it's a great place. I think most people walk by and kind of go, what is that? Hmm. And can, can you talk about some of the outreach that you've done in this location, this physically itself to touch Americans and people from really from all over the world. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chris. And a lot of people call Pennsylvania Avenue America's main street. It's the road where the inaugural path is from the Capitol to the White House. And as you said, we're exactly halfway. Um, we're fortunate to have this location because Pierre L'Enfant, when he designed the city uh, hundreds of years ago, he said there should be a Navy memorial, a memorial to our Navy, uh, somewhere in design, but he did not put a place to it. So back in the 70s, uh, they created the Navy Memorial. Primarily the outside was the focus at that point, the plaza that you mentioned with the 26 bas reliefs and the, the infamous Lone Sailor statue that now there's 17 other, others around the world. But the what we now call the Visitor Center um, was actually a waiting room for a feature-length movie uh, called At Sea. And if you think about it, back in the 70s and 80s, that's what we did. We went to feature length movies to learn about things. And those days have changed. So we've transformed that waiting room into a visitor center. As you would see when you drive to the Grand Canyon or anything like that, uh, we've transformed that room into uh, a visitor center where people can learn about uh, their Navy, primarily about the people. Our focus is the people. Uh, that was the, the founders of the Navy Memorial uh, the mission of the Navy Memorial is to honor, recognize, and celebrate the men and women of the sea services, past, present, and future. And, and that's really the focus is it's all about the people. Chris, we added uh, five years ago, shortly after I got here, we added and to inform the public about their service. Uh, we can talk about that later if you'd like. But, but, but Chris, you're exactly right. The, the challenge of getting the word out, because there's so much to do in Washington. And, uh, and this plaza is great. It's filled with people. Uh, uh, as you said, pre-COVID, it was, uh, it's a magnet, right? It's whether it's people having uh, lunch or taking a break. Uh, and then we do everything we can to, to show them the visitor center. And one of the things that, that 
I guess it's good to hear, but it just hurts when I hear it is, geez, Frank, I didn't know this was down here. Right. So, you know, we battle the clutter of, of information, the clutter of opportunity that we have here in our nation's capital. You do. And you've made some, I mean, it's, it's almost European. You've got ceremonies that happen down there all the time. The Navy itself uses this routinely for ceremonies, bands come out and play, uh, flag raisings, veterans uh, affairs, uh, commemorations of historical dates like Midway, the Battle of Midway, this sort of thing. And these are things that are happening again in a very visible public space in the heart of the Capitol. There's really nowhere else in Washington where that happens. Things do happen, but they're tucked away. People don't see them. Um, it's sort of a European thing. You know, a lot of the great capitals of Europe, you might see this sort of thing. It's not something you see over here, but that that's something you do. And I've also, I mean, you've done a really great job at, at outreach. You're doing this, uh, you were before the pandemic, um, outdoor movies. You got you got a pretty fancy movie screen. I myself, even I've, I've availed myself of this for the, uh, when the Washington Capitals um, were in the Stanley Cup just a few years ago, uh, the game they won, that they won the cup. I actually went down and watched that on your screen which is three blocks down from, uh, from uh, where they play, the arena where they play, where the game was in mm -hmm. Las Vegas. It was awesome. It was, I mean, all these people were there. Again, people are saying, what is this place? This is the Navy Memorial? That's really cool. I didn't know this was here. I mean, you've done, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've done a lot of outreach here. Yeah, that's really kind of you to say. Um, uh, let, let me tell a little story to get to that. Uh, so we do Navy band concerts every Tuesday night during the summer here. And, um, and, and Chris, I invite people, uh, hey, it's a really great concert. Uh, the Navy band is phenomenal and, and, it, and it's free. And, and sometimes it doesn't clearly resonate that it's a great opportunity when it's a military band and it's free. The second thing I hear the most, second, second to, uh, I didn't know this was here was, Frank, why didn't you invite me to this, this concert long time ago? These are awesome, this is tremendous. Because the Navy band is so great. And so we'll get hundreds of people here on Tuesday nights. Um, we, we, uh, we started them again uh, in June as the, as the pandemic was winding down. And then we had to kind of turn them off again. But, but the crowds came back. So I'm pretty confident that as we wind down out of the, co out of the pandemic, they'll come back. But because of the, the concert success, we started this, this idea that you mentioned, movies on the memorial. And, um, and so we'll show those classic Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard movies, uh, Hunt for Red October, Top Gun, uh, you know, Few Good Men, et cetera, et cetera. And we get a great crowd uh, out here. And it's just a, it's a fun family event. It's a fun date night. It's a the DC, there's places to eat around here. And so that's been really nice. And then to your point, uh, I'm rooting for the Caps. I've always been a Caps fan. But I'm even a bigger Caps fan because I guarantee you, if the Caps go to the Stanley Cup, we will do it again. And um, and as uh, as one of your colleagues on WTOP said, uh, the Navy Memorial has decided not to drop the anchor this Thursday for movie night. They're dropping the puck for the Caps, and uh, and we'll do that again. And and we try to do those creative opportunities uh, to bring people in because when people come to watch a Caps game, they might learn a little bit about the men and women who serve in the sea services. And that, that's what makes it all, that's what it brings it all together. Admiral, uh, it's Chris Cervello. Um, let, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit. In addition to um, reaching out and communicating with the public at large, 
about sailors and their Navy. Um, you, you also do a number of events that are kind of inward focused to help people that are serving in the Navy, but also that um, are in industries that, that work with the Navy. You help um, kind of facilitate communication opportunities for Navy leadership. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how those have evolved and the benefits that have come out of that? Sure, Chris, great question. Um, as I mentioned about five years ago, we added to the mission to inform the public about their service because um, as you and I know firsthand, um, we can't do enough to tell the American people about what these men and women do. And so uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, we had, uh, and maybe, maybe even a couple years uh, farther back than that, we had a couple programs, Fantail Breakfasts um, and book, uh, book signings and things like that. We expanded that to, we do a really great uh, program pre-COVID and I'm trying to put another one together as we speak called Bridgewing Chats. And uh, Bridgewing Chats are called that because uh, uh, what happens on a, on a uh, bridge wing of a, of a ship, that's where powerful conversations happen. That's where seniors talk to juniors and give them advice where juniors ask for a little bit of wisdom. And so we have this great event. We have a 230 person theater here. So We'll have a panel of, of uh, about four or five, six people, uh, some senior leaders, some mid-grade leaders, and some experts in whatever the topic is. But the neat thing about it, Chris, is we flip, flip the idea backwards, and it ends up being the panel asks the audience questions. So the audience is about half active duty and about half what I call naval enthusiasts, folks like the three of us and people out there who really care about the Navy and the people. And uh, it just ends up being a really robust conversation where there's hard questions and hard answers. Uh, so we suspended that during COVID, but we'll bring it back. And then uh, it's a longer conversation about COVID, but when COVID hit and I got that letter on March 11th that somebody in the building upstairs, one of the tenants had been diagnosed with COVID and we shut the door, we were perfectly positioned because of our strategic plan to go digital. And so we did a huge shift to digital and we created, as, as Chris was talking, as, as Chris Cabas was talking about the, uh, uh, the programs, the wreath lanes and all that, we, we do all those digitally now, but, but Chris, to your point, we, we created a program called sit rep and uh, it's a talk show. We're looking to make it a monthly talk show. We, we do it about bi-monthly now in 2022, we'll do monthly. And, uh, and the idea is to bring senior Navy leaders uh, to uh, the middle of America. And, um, and we're getting a great audience. Uh, it's a talk show format. It's uh, meant to be informative so that people around the country uh, can learn. Uh, the business people love it because it gives them a feeling, a better connection uh, to, the, to uh, the Navy. Uh, what we're doing, we've had uh, Admiral Burke, Commander of Naval Forces Europe, we had Secretary Braithwaite. We've had Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy. Um, we've had a couple inside the Pentagon folks. We had Superintendent of the Naval Academy. That was a that was a pretty fun one. So we're putting together a series now, to 2022, that's going to be ranging from the top leadership of the Navy uh, uh, here in D.C. as well as as around the world. The last thing I would tell you, we do these fantail breakfasts. Again, what happens on a fantail of a ship? That's where you go to learn the gouge. That's where you go to learn what's really going on in the uh, on the ship. And, uh, and we do these fantail breakfasts, and that's a great opportunity here in D.C. Uh, to get the inside, uh, insight into what's going on, where's the Navy going, what's the, what, what's the plan for future, uh, whether it be shipbuilding, Columbia-class submarine, 
uh, aviation, uh, maintenance, uh, readiness, et cetera. And uh, it's creating that discourse that, that the both of you know is so valuable in this space uh, for people who care and, and people to stay connected, not for the connection reason, but to stay connected with the information. And, uh, and I would tell you that, that word connection, that's going to be our theme for 2022, because that's, that's really what the Navy Memorial does is provides a connection uh, to uh, the men and women who serve. Uh, to the men and women who have served. And, and we're going to put a little focus on the men and women who will serve uh, with some partnerships that we're getting ready to announce uh, that are pretty powerful. Um, and then to that point about the business community, naval enthusiasts, people around the, the country, making sure they're connected to what their Navy does um, every day, uh, 24 hours, uh, seven days a week. When you've, when you've done some of these discussions, you're a professional communicator you know about communicating it's you spent a career in this and outreach is something that you do and also understanding who you're talking to is something you do some of these things you've had some senior leaders on there's a reluctance among a lot of people talking in the navy today to speak directly to issues and people like to talk around them there's it's a natural reluctance among people anyway it's a major thing going on today i've seen some of your times when you've asked great questions, you've covered a lot of ground and people have dodged almost every one of your questions with something bland or of course answering something else. Um, it's a problem we all deal with in trying to get out the Navy's message and the, the, meaning of, the meaning of sea power, the effect of sea power, why it's important, what it does, how it relates to things. And I mean, have, have, have you found that to be a problem? Do you, do you think that, I mean, how, in all, in, in, in all these efforts that you're, that you're doing, it takes two to play if you're going to sit down and talk to somebody. Do you have a sense yeah, that, I, that people are playing with you on this? Yeah, I would, I would call it a challenge. Um, I'd like to think they don't dodge all of my hard questions, but, um, but I, I, you know, I, I have had one or two dodged and, um, and I have come back to it. Um, and, and uh, but, but it, the idea is, um, is to give them the opportunity to, to, to communicate because is, is what you do, what both you do is, is try to do that. I, I will tell you, uh, and you, this goes back to my time in the Navy, um, the, the culture of communication is tough in the military. I don't need to tell you all that or this audience that, but, um, but then we put on top of that the challenge of the, of the times today uh, it makes it even even harder. Uh, but I would tell you that, that I would split the, the conversation into two different areas. One is um, what what is what are we doing inside the beltway? Uh, the acquisition part of that that is so darn complicated. And you have spent your life, uh, Chris Cavis, trying to uh, communicate that. And and you know the uh, the CNO uh, is working on you know. This next year's budget on the Hill and in, inside the Pentagon, he's working on the following year's budget. And, and, uh, and, and it's the communication challenge of, of what you need uh, in order to do it in a uh, uh, collaborative, but yet aggressive way. That's hard. And, um, and, and it's nuanced and it, and it goes to what I think why what you've done, you two are doing is so important is continuing to communicate this because it's not a single point of communication. I look at the communication like a trend. Um, 
it, it builds over time. And anybody who wants to tune in on one day to learn about it, they're, they're going to hear, I can't answer that. But maybe in a week from now or two weeks from now, they will get an answer. And so that's why it's important uh, to stay tuned and stay consistent. By the way, I don't think that's any different than any other topic, whether you're following a baseball team or a football team. If you if you tune in and you find out that the that your baseball team is 43 and 37, that, that means nothing because they might have been, you know, 21 and 37 or back when the Nats won the World Series kind of thing or whatever. So the other thing I would talk about, Chris, is is uh, is outside the beltway. And um, and I think that one's a little more straightforward to to talk about um, about what the men and women are doing out there. Uh, you know, it, it's not that long ago, 20 years, maybe where we were talking about the need for a Navy. And those days are gone, um, in my opinion. I mean, I think where we are today is the nation understands that we need a Navy. They just may not understand what that Navy needs to do. It only takes one super tanker to be caught in the Suez Canal uh, to stop shipping like it did to show us the importance of commerce on the seas. Um, what we're going through right now in this country with the delay of, of uh, shipping, I mean, Think about it. 20 years ago, we'd have been happy to, to go shopping in November for December in the Sears catalog. And uh, and now we're woe is me because uh, commerce is a little slower, is a lot slower. The supply chain isn't as fast. So so that combined with the humble nature of the Navy, um, uh, the Navy leaders do not like to put a battery on their shoulder and say it is going to take the United States Navy to defend our freedom. And that's what we need to do. Um, there is not a doubt in my mind uh, that China is a threat. They're growing. That's a fact. Um, some would say the biggest Navy in the world right now. Um, they're a challenge. And, and, and communicating that uh, and communicating what the men and women of the sea services are doing uh, out there to do it. You know, we, people talk about the two destroyers that, that were involved in collisions. Well, by golly, those sailors are out there every day every day doing hard stuff. Um, and, and, and that's a pinpoint uh, example of how we need to make sure our, our Navy is ready, not just for those peacetime operations, which is a relative term, but for, for combat. I want to follow up on that. There are a lot of players in the naval communication business um you know both in uniform and out and, and you guys play an important role you have worked real hard in your five years to find a uniqueness or a a niche for the naval memorial that maybe it didn't have before some of which you've talked about already you've worked real hard to not be a vocal critic necessarily of the navy to talk about the importance of naval power to educate can you talk a little bit about finding that niche for the Navy Memorial? And, and I, I don't want to I don't want you to have to feel like you, you need to talk about maybe some of the other competitors that you have or some of the other colleagues that you have. But that has been a concerted effort of you and your supporters to sort of um, grow the role specifically of the Navy Memorial among a lot of other people talking about the Navy day in and day out. Yeah, Chris, that's a great question. Um, the challenge for an organization like us, uh, like any not-for-profit cause-related organization, is to stay true to the mission. Um, it's so easy uh, to venture off in a different direction because at the time it feels good uh, or it might be beneficial. 
Um, but when you look at our mission to honor, recognize, and celebrate the men and women of the sea services, um, and then we added, and to inform the public about their service, that's our mission. Um, and, uh, and we've got to stay true to that. Now, that doesn't mean uh, sugarcoating anything or not addressing uh, tough issues. As Chris said, you know, there's are tough issues that need to be addressed. Um, and I, you know, I, I go back uh, four or five years ago. Um, I don't think you'll mind me telling a story when I did an office call on Admiral Bill Moran when he was the vice chief and said, um, hey, I, I have a question for you. How can the Navy Memorial uh, be uh, an asset? How can we help the Navy do what the Navy's trying to do. And Emma Moran said, Frank, you could help create a discourse among our people. And, you know, Emma Moran was committed to that. And so that out of that came Bridgewing Chat directly. Um, that idea that, that in a uh, pretty public forum, an opportunity for what I would call mid-grade lieutenant to captains, uh, captains to colonels, um, have a, an opportunity to discuss uh, hard issues. Um, and uh, sometimes the media is present there. Chris has been to a couple, Chris Cabas has been to a couple of them. Um, and, uh, and to create that discourse where uh, it's created among those who are living it and knowing it. Um, and, and I would tell you, sit reps, uh, as we developed that came out of the same thought track is how do we create that discourse uh, for the American people to understand uh, what the men and women of the Navy are doing? And that clearly right away goes to the ships we, we have, the equipment we have, the, the threat we have and all that. So um, I don't feel it's my need to. Uh, and by the way, I don't call any of, of the other Navy organizations competitors. Um, and I, I understand why why some would say that, but but I have the attitude we are absolutely in this together. Um, and everybody, uh, we've worked hard. I've worked personally hard, but not just me. A lot of us, uh, Mick Pond, Mike Stevens, Admiral Sonny Masso, we've worked hard to make sure that we work together uh, with the Navy League and the Naval Historical Foundation, um, uh, Fleet Reserve, Sea Cadets. We work we work hard to say, hey. How can we work together to fulfill our mission? Um, and by the way, I don't need to do your mission. Um, and I don't, I don't have time or resources to do it. So how do we work together? So this partnership we've got now with Sea Cadets is tremendous because the, you know, those who serve past, present, and future. Um, and Sea Cadets is just an absolutely great program. So, um, and down at the uh, Naval Museum and the Navy Yard, they do hardware and that's a great museum. And so, uh, so I think we all have our niche, um, and and my 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 role here I think is to just help create that discourse that the Navy so badly needs. Well, Admiral, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, truly been been anxious to have you on. Glad we glad we were finally able to do it. So good luck, fair winds, following seas, and uh, that's my line, Chris. <laughs> stay on course. I think you're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, thank you both. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Navy Memorial and, and even more so, I appreciate you, the appreciate what you all are doing to create the, the discourse and uh, helping that along. So thank you. And, uh, and on this Veterans Day, post Veterans Day weekend, uh, let us not forget 
about those, uh, the importance of those who have served and those who Absolutely. serve those who serve. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Okay. This week on Squawk Box, there's a new center for advocacy in town and it's brought to you by the Navy League. Chris Cervello has some thoughts on what course the new group should take. That's right, Chris. This week, the Navy League of the United States announced the launch of the Center for Maritime Strategy with retired Admiral Jamie Fogo as its dean. According to the Navy League, this think tank-like organization will conduct and support policy research and advocacy across a broad spectrum of issues that impact the United States' position as a maritime nation. Both elements of the announcement are fantastic the much needed stand up of the Center for Maritime Strategy as well, and probably most importantly, Jamie Fogo as the Dean. The brainchild and passion project of friend of the pod, Brian McGrath, this center positions the Navy League to actually do what it claims in its charter, policy development and advocacy. As someone who followed this effort closely, I'd offer three suggestions to ensure success for the new center and for Admiral Fogo as its public face and Dean. First, be thoughtful, but also be inclusive and collaborative. There are many places around town that are in the naval thinking and advocacy business, as we heard from Admiral Thorpe. And the primus inter pares, or first among equals for those who didn't take Latin, must play nice in the sandbox. In fact, I'd go so far as to offer some affiliation or regular dialogue with the Navy Memorial, Naval Institute, Hudson Center for Sea Power, or others. This center must be collaborative in ideas, but also in engagement. Unnecessary competition will only water down the effort and take away from the center's stated goal of strengthening the United States as a maritime nation. The second suggestion, develop sharp elbows. Again, invoking Brian McGrath, simply saying, in quotes, we support the president's budget in press clippings and committee hearings cannot be an option. Admiral Fogo and the staff he leads must be passionate and vocal advocates for sea power and maritime security, even if it goes against the CNO or SECNAV's public position. They have to become the sea services, Jiminy Cricket, the conscience of sea power. You get the gist. And finally, don't be shy. The dean and staff of the CMS should not spend the bulk of their time in that sweet office building in Clarendon, but rather must be visible and well-known within the media, the Hill, and think tank circles. If this organization is to move the needle, they have to be out there in a big way. The aw shucks, I'm only here to help approach by much of the retired flag community will not get it done with this effort. Fogo and his team have to become household names in the budget and national security strategy space. For years, the Army through AUSA and the Air Force through AFA's Mitchell Institute have been eating the Navy's lunch in the thoughtful advocacy space. I'm hopeful that with the right charter and more importantly, the right team, the Center for Maritime Security will energize and optimize the well-intentioned and thoughtful, but disparate, Navalist community spread around Washington, D.C. and across the fleet. Once again, bravo Zulu to the Navy League's leadership and congrats to Admiral Fogo. Please don't mess this up. Amen, brother. Okay, well, fingers crossed. Folks, that does it for this week. As always, our thanks go out to Vaga Moradian for his support. Be sure to follow us at Cavish Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavish. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. <laughs>